Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Hello, Bryanston and the rest of the world and our listeners. Um, today, we are very fortunate to have Simon Armitage with us, Poet Laureate. And um, your recent achievements or sort of uh, um, events include uh, the Platinum Jubilee poem for the Queen. You're the lead lyricist in a band, LYR. And uh, your your work covers poetry, fiction, non-fiction, plays, and um, adaptations of other writers' work. Um, you also had a podcast last year. The Poet, Poet Laureate has gone to his shed. That's right, yeah, podcast so. slash broadcast, yeah, for Radio 4. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I suppose I'll, I'll start by talking a bit about what I knew about your work. I started by reading, well, my first full collection of yours was Book of Matches, which I really enjoyed, and... Um, I think I enjoyed sort of, for me, it was a lack of pretentiousness and quite an accessibility from your work that I hadn't experienced before. Um, it doesn't lose its depth in this way, though, I don't think. It's still very layered, but it's more accessible. For me, it was. So, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And maybe we could start talking about where you write, your mm. your sort of process. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a, uh, a formula that uh, the poems seem to accumulate. Um, I write, I handwrite poems into a notebook that I take everywhere with me. In fact, I get a little bit twitchy if I don't know where it is. Um, and then at some point later, I transfer them to uh, a screen to a to a computer. But um, I think I tend to write or compose uh, in my head a little bit um, till I've got the first ideas, and then. And then commit them to to written language. I'm happy in a cafe, uh, on a train. I, I travel a lot, so it's become a bit of a, a necessity uh, to be able to make work on the move. Uh, but I, I realised over time that I don't really write poems sitting in my office at home where I'm supposed to do my work. You know, if I'm sitting there, I, I do other things, whether that's admin. Uh, or writing prose, or you know whatever else circumstances dictate at the time. So the the poems are still um, I, I try in my head. I still try and think of them as as my hobby that I I, I do when uh, I'm supposed to be doing other things. Yeah, it's a form of procrastination, maybe. Yeah, uh, procrastination, stealing time uh, yeah. from other forms of work. Um, Avoiding deadlines, yeah, housework, etc. I also thought it was interesting in the talk that you just gave in our education summit about um, music and not really wanting to listen to it too much. Yeah, and um, also, but you do like having the TV on in the background yeah. when you're working. Yeah, which uh, yeah. Well, me, I mean, music is um, very, very important to me. Um, I, I, well, I would say, you know, over the course of my life, it's been at least as important and at least as inspirational as poetry. Uh, I've got music going all the time, uh, particularly now uh, with the, what do they call them, air buds, pods? Air pods, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've, they've revolutionised my life um, mm. and probably damaged my hearing. <laughs> uh, but, I ca- yeah, I, I, I can't listen to music when I'm writing poems. Um, just the, the frequencies jam. Uh, I get too interested in the... The orchestration and the the way that the lyrics are working, I get very you know moved and um, 
distracted by by music mm. so that's the one thing that that doesn't work for me other than that i'm very happy in a in a place that's full of hustle and bustle mm. uh, as long as i can just have my own little corner and a cup of tea uh, and, a, and a pen and the notepad and is that the same for reading when you're reading you don't like the distraction of it either i think i probably do need it to be a little bit more quiet when i'm when i'm reading i'm a very slow reader uh, and i think that in some ways that might be what has led me to poetry uh, because I've always felt poems encourage you to, to take your time as a reader and you know most poems don't you know get beyond the bottom of the page or even to the right hand margin and uh, so you can go at it two or three times and dwell I, li- I like the idea of I particularly like that word I'm very fond of that word in relation to poems you can inhabit uh, a poem and be inhabited by it um so yeah it makes reading novels uh, quite a torturous mm-hmm. um, experience or um you know criticism and commentary mm-hmm. any go-to writing snack or drink you've mentioned tea but i wonder if there's anything else i'm a big tea head i mm-hmm. have to say there's no time of the day uh, when tea is the wrong drink it's true um i stopped drinking coffee about Four years ago, uh, I loved coffee, and I would use it as a accelerant in the morning uh, to get going. And I think I started to associate it with, um, you know, the beginnings of the of the writing day. But I got some heart palpitations and uh, went to the doctors, and they said, um, "This is fascinating stuff, by the way." So you get my whole medical history. Here. <laughs> I'm um, sure it hasn't been heard. Uh, well, uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, he said before we, um, you know, hack you open with a saw <laughs> and start prodding things. Why don't you just try not drinking coffee for a while? And I did, and it, it fixed it straight away. So um, I've noticed that I drink my tea oh. very strong these days. <laughs> as uh, much caffeine as in the tea as much caffeine. Yeah, leave the bag in. Uh, no water. No. Um, uh, oh. But uh, yeah, so that uh, I'm a big fan of the crisp. Um, yeah, uh, particularly the uh, the plain hula hoop. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ready salted? Ready salted, yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes even in a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried that recently, yeah. and it's actually really good for it's, some sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it does. It's the okay, texture, okay. I think. That's, I think it's uh, a very British thing to do something like put your chips in your sandwich or your crisps in yeah. there as well. I remember listening to Jonathan Agnew once, who's one of the cricket commentators on Test Match Special, uh, saying that he'd missed his breakfast in the hotel on his way to the Test Match in Leeds. So he'd gone into a little cafe near the ground in uh, Headingley, and uh, she'd said, what would you like? And uh, he said, well... Um, What's what comes with the full English breakfast? And she said, "Well, it's you know, it's a fried egg, uh, sausage, bacon, mushroom, tomato, black pudding, baked beans." And he said, "Yeah, I'll have that." And she said, "How do you want it?" And he said, "I, I, I don't know what you mean." She said, "Well, how do you want me to serve it to you?" And he said, "Well, on a plate." <laughs> and uh, she said, "Oh no, that's fine. It's just that some people want it in a sandwich." Um, I was wondering, because obviously Bella and I studied English, so we're taught to dissect poems, yeah. and we interpret poems very differently in a class. Has there ever been an interpretation of your poem that you found surprising, or you're like, oh, I'm not sure where you got that one from? Um, well, I, I, I mean, I know that 
students are working on my poems, particularly for the for the GCSEs. And uh, uh, every now and again, I have some uh, dialogue with the exam board. And uh, it, uh, one of the examiners told me a couple of years ago that he'd been marking a script. Uh, and in relation to one of my poems, I can't remember which one, somebody had written, clearly what the poet is talking about here is erectile dysfunction. <laughs> So, um, uh, which, if it was, was going on at a very subconscious level for me. Uh, I think, I think there are, I think there are, you know, the, the the great thing about poetry, and I was saying this in the session, is that it's a real opportunity to, to play with language. And I like readers, and people who are writing criticism of poetry to be, to, you know, to have fun, to to explore their own feelings in relation to what they're reading there in an exam situation i think you know there are parameters uh but those parameters are quite wide and my own uh take on this is as long as you can find context and um evidence for what you're saying however tangential that should be uh that should be enough and it should be deemed to be correct absolutely um, maybe we could talk about thank you for waiting because I found this very amusing. Um, it's about the uh, drawn out nature of boarding a plane oh. and all these different people are being called. But I also I noticed that there's a, there's a Comedy Central sketch by Key and Peele that oh. came out the year after your poem, which is very oh, yeah. similar. So I wonder if there's an there's opportunity for suing them. Yeah, I'll have <laughs> to look you into make that. Make a bit of money. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know who Key and Peele is. They're a comedy duo. Oh, they are. It's mm-hmm. a they. Yeah. Okay. Oh no! I'll I'll get my my people to uh, to, to look yeah. into that. Um, that poem came out of. Uh, I mean, we we're all familiar with that experience if we've been on a plane. But I think it's particularly true of the of of, of in the states, you know, where people fly much more frequently. And uh, I've lived in the states a couple of times, and you know, during those periods of of been flying around to give readings and lectures. And uh, that mantra, uh, the you know the hierarchy of advantage, is trotted out at every boarding gate, mm. and uh, you know some of the categories seem to me to be absolutely absurd, and the differentiations between categories as well, uh, and nearly always um, concludes with okay, you lot, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is how most people mm. travel. Did they not call out the poet laureate? Have we heard that one? I, if they did, I don't think I'd stand up. <laughs> just, uh, I just wait. Yeah. Um, where did you live in the states? Uh, so I taught for a semester at the uh, Iowa Writers Workshop in Iowa City, um, from really just after Christmas to uh, late spring. I think that would have been the year two thousand. And we just had our daughter at the time, so she was only three weeks old when we moved out there. So the, you know, there was a time in her life when she was more American than than British, although she, you know, doesn't particularly remember that now. Mm. Um, That's funny for parents have being so having one accent, and then their child's got maybe slightly American twang. Yeah, she. I mean, she was sort of pre pre language really, but mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, I taught in 2019 for a semester 
at uh, Princeton University. So we we lived both in Princeton for a while in New Jersey uh, and in Brooklyn. Um, my wife and our daughter who came out uh, during her university holidays to live with us were absolutely insistent that we got to live in uh, sort of New York for mm. a while. So yeah, that was uh, that was a great experience. Um, did you find it slightly a, a culture shock at all, or did you enjoy it? I spent a lot of time in the states, uh, you know, giving readings and making trips there to to give lectures and and so on and so forth. So I think the mistake is always to imagine that because we speak, you know, inverted commas the same language, it it's going to be the same place, which which it absolutely isn't. And um, it takes you a while to to tune in. On that last occasion, I have to admit, I found it a bit hectic, uh, Manhattan, um, and a bit cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the contrast with where we live in the UK, which is in West Yorkshire, up in the Pennines, where it's um, quiet and, and slow, uh, the contrast on that last occasion was just a little bit, a little bit much. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I, I I love going to cities because I'm a, you know, because I'm a country lad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even a trip into Manchester, I get very excited <laughs> about. But living there is a slightly different deal. Um, I know you mentioned uh, being inspired some of those sort of um, by the the modernist American poets, a few of them. But maybe you could talk about a bit more of your your inspiration by other poets, or maybe disinspiration, as you knew what you didn't want to do when you wrote poetry. I became interested in poetry at school really through Ted Hughes, uh, who was the poet laureate at the time. I mean, I was a very sleepy student up to, you know, 15, 16, pretty much in a coma. And then those poems, the Hughes poems, so poems like Pike and Bayonet Charge and View of a Pig, they, they woke me up and alerted me to this idea that the world was a very interesting place and that it could be recreated, reenacted in in language, in these short bursts of language, small packages of of, of text. And uh, after Hughes, it, it would have been Tom Gunn and Philip Larkin, Sylvia Plath, Elizabeth Bishop. So they they were my um, you know entry level poets, and remain. Uh, you know, the most important writers for me. I, I don't think you ever get beyond those those first encounters. But then a big breakthrough were the, you know, what we might call the mid-century American poets, uh, confessional poets. So I'm talking about, well, Plath again to some extent, but Anne Sexton and, uh, and Robert Lowell. I, I, I just heard in their work, I think heard is, is the right word, um, an ease of language related to speech and to and to talk they, they weren't writing poems as as we would speak language but um i do like poetry that sounds in some way like somebody's walked onto a stage mm-hmm. and there's some relationship with the speaking voice i'm i'm not very keen on poems that uh sound like writing yeah. yeah or thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, so that that was um, that was a, a, a big breakthrough for me. Le- less so the beat poets, you know, like Ferlinghetti and Ginsberg. Um, although uh, uh, you know there were some interesting pointers there. Um, 
and I, I, I think also a poet like Paul Muldoon, uh, who's and and another Irish poet, Michael Longley, who are very lyrical, and uh, you know work with forms of speech, but within the templates of of song patterns, almost they appeal to me a huge amount. Mm. And um, well, maybe we could lead on to your um, land yacht regatta. Yeah, is that it. Um, your current band, but you've also been the the vocalist for the the Scaremongers yep. as well. Yeah, so the Scaremongers were a, a DIY indie band uh, that I used to sing in, and uh, we it was partly a band that was um, reformed uh, after you know twenty five years after not forming the band in the first place. <laughs> Uh, with a, with a friend of mine, Craig Smith. Yeah, so we had a, we were together for three or four years. Uh, wrote an album, released some singles, and uh, played a few, a uh, few <laughs> gigs uh, <laughs> over over about a two year period. Um, and it was great fun. Uh, but you know that's that's what it was. It was like being in a five side team on a on a Friday night. <laughs> um, also. Uh, every time I turned round on stage, there were a few more of us. <laughs> so, uh, we started as, uh, I think, four, and there were about eight or nine by the end, um, and that 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 fizzled out. But it was it was uh, it was it was it was a fun project and a good way of investigating some issues for me. Um, LYR is a more serious proposition. Um, so uh, the, there are three of us really in the band. Uh, Richard Walters, who's a singer-songwriter in his own right, and Patrick James Pearson, who is a producer um, who lives in uh, uh, Devon, actually, um, not not that not a million miles from here. And we uh, got together and started making work, and then we ended up with a manager, and then we got signed to a major label, uh, who we've since left, but they were very um encouraging and we released our first album and first singles through them so it's 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 become more serious and a bigger part of my life than i imagined uh but it's 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 incredibly stimulating and um and a bit nerve-wracking but i uh yeah i i just i speak uh in fact on the on the first album i'm just credited as talking (laughs) now we've got some shows coming up this summer at various festivals including one this weekend at uh, Long Division oh, Festival in, okay. in Wakefield. Yeah. yeah, you address a few sort of I know that you did a, a song about the uh, the lockdown. Yeah. And you've also done a few um more poems since being poet laureate about big sort of events like yeah. COP26 and uh-huh. do you find that that to be more pressure than just sitting down and writing your own thing? I find it difficult to distinguish between the kind of poem you're talking about and my own thing. You know, they, in in some ways, there's always been a little bit of a blur. I've always written about contemporary events, current affairs, things that are happening right in front of me. I think with the Laureate Post, there's a bit more expectation that I might respond to uh, things that are going on. So lockdown, for example, was... Uh, something that I couldn't avoid and didn't want to avoid. And then more recently, uh, the Platinum Jubilee, given that the, the posts related to uh, the um, the royal family. Um, but I think in some ways I've just lengthened my stride a little bit and 
uh, with a bit more amplification, just carried on doing what, what I've always done. Okay. I just wanted to ask one last question. It might be a bit silly, but um, if you had to write one medium of literature, like yeah. poetry or plays, or what would it be? Poetry. poetry. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I had to have that genre tattooed somewhere, it would be. I'd have <laughs> a poetry <laughs> tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, you mentioned at the beginning, I've written lots of different uh, genres, uh, memoir and fic- prose fiction. Um, but yeah, I think. As I've got older, I've realised that there's something, I, I feel very privileged to be able to write poetry and have it published and um, and have it read. And, um, you know, there aren't that many of us. And I, I, I think I made the decision a few years ago that that's really what I wanted to concentrate on because it was the thing that gave me the most satisfaction. And I think it's, 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 it's how people see me. They see me as a poet and I think I see myself mm-hmm as a poet and I'm very comfortable with that so yeah that's that's the thing that you can put on my gravestone yeah. yeah well I think with poetry it's people relate to it and they enjoy it in that way they can relate to it in any way but that's important it's important for me uh it's not important for all poets some poets want to be um you know very obscure or oblique and the reason that they've gone into poetry in the first place is because they don't want to participate in a more generalised conversation, but I've always wanted to communicate through my work. So in some ways, uh, this is um, a kind of obvious role for me. And it's one that, you know, I'm very proud of and that I take that I take very seriously. And, you know, one of the reasons, for example, that I was probably uh, invited to be on this radio programme yeah. today, of which the conference I was at was just a sideshow. Really. Yeah, it was. Yeah. This, was this is the main this was thing, the thing by radio. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for being on today. Pleasure. We feel very honoured to have you here. And also your talk. That was very enjoyable for everyone in the audience, yeah, I think. It was very humorous. I, I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to play some LYR now to get our royalty rates up. Yeah. <laughs> You should have an, an all-day LYR session. Yeah. Well, we have an Instagram, so you can actually message us to put song recommendations, and you can listen you have to, to us. Do you you'll, have you'll regret that, so three months <laughs> down the line, three yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Can you play yeah, great cards? Yeah. <laughs> I think next time we have Oasis, we have Howling Wolf. I think I think your your worldwide global audience will be crying out for some L Y R right now. Yeah, so, I think yeah. we will. We'll have to find some of that. Where it is? Today. We're on Spotify. So okay, good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's a we hope to. Well, I'm sure we'll see more from you. Yeah. Thank good. Good luck with your uh, with your studies and your whatever you go on to do. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you very much. Now we're going to play some Oasis. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.